Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 7, Shadow Play. Yay. Um, I'm guessing you did not remember this one, no? No. No. Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> not surprised at all. Before we get into it, would you like some, uh, like, the background of how the story of this episode came to be? Oh, there is a background of the story there, in general? There is, yes. Oh, okay, then Yes. Okay, um, so it was written by Joe Malati and Paul Molly, and they had been toying with some kind of, like, a beautiful mind type story. You know, that that biopic that uh, Russell Crowe did about John Nash, the mathematician guy. Right. Um, and at the same time, Peter DeLuise was trying to break some kind of story that was a sort of follow-up to Meridian for, like, for Jonas to do, like, the sort of, the fallout of Meridian for Jonas and stuff. And they ended up kind of deciding that those two stories could work well together. And so Shadowplay is the result of that. Oh, interesting, yeah. So being that I don't remember anything that takes place after this, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like this was the start of getting Jonah home. Jonas. Or Jonas. Why do I keep saying Jonah? I, I think I keep saying Jonah. I, I explained this last week. Did you cut that out of the? No, it's in there. You left it. Oh, where... so this will be in there too. Okay. Where I where when I say his first name, I want to say Jonah, but I always do get it right where I say Jonas Quinn. I don't, but for some reason when I just say Jonas, I get that wrong. So ahead of time, sorry because I'm gonna be doing it again. <laughs> Maybe all the time I'll just start saying Jonas Quinn. I'll just always say Jonas Quinn. Okay. So, um, short story long, (laughs) 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 Um, that uh, I I didn't know whether or not this was going to start being the journey of getting Jonas Quinn home. Yeah, I don't know. There was no mention of that from official sources. I did see some comments online on like the GateWorld forum. That I think other people were thinking that same thing because if this is a way to start getting Jonas home or at least interacting with Kelowna more, there's never any mention of like Jonas's family or like Jonas's friends or anything that would actually tie him to Kelowna on a more personal level other than just his work. True. I did wonder about that. Like no comment from anybody like, oh, I saw your father the other day, or, you know, even your family has shunned you, or not, doesn't need to be anything super long, but even just, like, passing comments, there's nothing about anything that would really tie Jonas to Kelowna, do you suppose and why that, he would want to go back. Yeah, do you suppose that Corin came up with a backstory just for his own character research? Probably. He seems like yeah. the kind of guy that would do that. Yeah. Given his, I'm an alien and new to Earth, so I'm going to always carry Earth food and be eating and drinking Earth things to acclimate myself <laughs> to this strange new planet. He probably would have come up with an entire backstory and or family history for Jonas Quinn. Yes. Okay. Okay. So shall we get into this one? Let's do. Okay. So this episode originally aired on July 26th, 2002. Again, it was written by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully, directed by Peter DeLuise. And on the commentary, we have Peter DeLuise and director of photography, Peter West. 
So in this episode, the Peter of Kelowna ask Earth for military aid in an impending war with their rival nations, but Jonas's former mentor offers another solution, a resistance movement ready for a coup. I kept expecting a quantum leap tie-in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or like, some, sort of, some sort of nod or mention or something. I know. There was nobody called Al anywhere. It's like, come no. on. Couldn't just stick somebody called Al in somewhere. Some sort no. of going through the Stargate and this could be our leap home. We did. <laughs> there was nothing. Like, no. It was nothing. No. Too bad. Mm. Yeah. Missed opportunity. Yep. Okay, so we start at the SGC where there is an incoming wormhole. There's no IDC, but they are receiving an audio signal. At first, it comes through all kind of like garbled and staticky, but Sam works on cleaning it up. And over the intercom is Commander Hale, chairman of the Cologne and Defense Council, who is calling for help. Up in the briefing room, we have, first, we have Peter DeLuise, very out of focus in the background, sitting at the desk as a soldier sort of working in the background. So there's our director cameo for today. Totally missed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's, you know, fuzzy and out of focus, so very mm-hmm. easy to miss it. Um, and so we learned that the Colonians were calling to try and reestablish trade negotiations with Earth. Jack was like, you told him where to shove it because of the whole framing Daniel thing that happened, you know, a couple months ago. And everybody else is like, well, it's not quite as simple as all that. And Jonas is like, maybe don't judge the entire population based on what just a couple of people had done. And then Tilt brings up that the Colonians don't really have anything to offer in return, given that they're technologically inferior to Earth at this point. And Sam's like, well, they do have Nequadria. And Jack's like, yeah, but that doesn't work. And Sam's like, well, it's just the hyperdrive that didn't work. But that doesn't mean Nequadria can't be used for other technological means of some sort to fight the ghouls. As we cut to the opening credits. Da-na-na. So we come back from the credits and Jonas is pacing in his lab and he's feeling a bit nervous about coming face to face with his people after what they did. After all, they think he's a traitor. And Tilk is there and he quite strongly relates to what Jonas is going through because the same thing happened to him. But, you know, in time, Jonas's people will come to realize that what Jonas did, he did for the good of all of his people. So to... Recap, though, he's specifically a traitor because he took the Nequadria they had and ran with it, ran to Earth with it. So it's basically because he stole it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess they probably would consider like, you know, government secrets kind of a thing or like military secrets at that time. Mm -hmm. So, So it really isn't that he left. It's that he brought with him the Nequadria. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the Kelonan delegation then arrives on Earth, and it consists of Commander Hale, Ambassador Draylock, and Dean Stockwell as Dr. Kieran. Hammond introduces SG-1, and Jonas gets completely ignored even after greeting Dr. Kieran directly. So, okay, awkward. Uh, They all head up to the briefing room, but Jonas and Jack kind of linger behind a little bit, and Jonas tells Jack that Kieran was his professor at university and is the one who brought him on board the Nequadria project. But okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, up in the briefing room, uh, things start off uh, quite tense. Jack is very much not happy with what's going on, and they're not happy with Jack's accusations considering the SGC is housing the traitor Jonas. It's like, but anyway, let's just skip all Moving over. On. All. Moving on. Uh, they are here for a specific reason. 
The other two major nations on Langara, Terrania and the Andari Federation, are about to sign a peace treaty. And this is very likely a precursor to war against Kelowna. So the Kelownans want the SGC to lend them military support. In return, the Kelownans still have Naquadria to offer, and they now have a surplus after they found additional sources of it. The SGC is quite reluctant to do this based on what happened with the Urandans, and they are now actually really, really, really trying to stay out of the affairs of other planets. <laughs> like, okay. And the Kelownans bring up, like, well, what about interfering with all the stuff that the Gould do? It's like, that's not really the same thing. And so the Kelownans then, like, threaten, in a way, to use this Nequadria bomb that they've developed if the SGC doesn't help them. That's, and I thought that was so interesting to throw that in there, that they were like, well, we have this thing, but we came to you, we sought you out because we don't want to have to do that. Please help us find an alternative. Like, I thought that was so interesting. Yes. Yeah, very much. So SG-1 is gathered in Jonas's office to discuss this request, and Jonas is sure that the Colonians would face total devastation of the war if the, if it were to happen. He was part of a team a while ago that put together a report on this various scenario that they are now facing. Sam asks, like, what this war would even be about and if they can try negotiating, and Jonas is like, there's just a whole list of things going back who knows how long. Like, it's, I think it's, it's almost kind of one of the things where nobody really knows how or why it started, but it's just still going on. <laughs> Yeah. For a very long time. Uh, he says, like, the last conflict was 20 years ago and nothing was really resolved then. But at least back at that time, the Terranians and the Ndaris hated each other more than they hated the Colonians. And now this, like, marriage of convenience, as Jonas calls it, could bring about the end of Colona. Jack reminds Jonas that he's now a member of SG-1 and his priorities must be with them. What a conflict. Ah, yeah, very much. Yep. Yeah. Jack is then called to Hammond's office and he will be meeting with the Joint Chiefs and they will want a recommendation. Jack's like, uh, we are going to have to say no, we can't do that. It's like, yes, sure, he's all for defense, but how can they be sure that that's where they'll stop? And Hammond's like, you're starting to sound a lot like Daniel. And it's like, did spend quite a lot of time with that guy. So, mm. yeah, Which I was like, mm, I like that. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hammond wonders then if his reluctance to help possibly has more to do with how Jack doesn't like the cologne and is like, well, maybe, possibly, but they're then interrupted by an unscheduled off-world activation, and it's the Clonins who now apparently have an IDC, and so they open the iris, and only Dr. Kieran comes through, and the others were called to an emergency meeting because the peace treaty was indeed signed, so Kieran is there to speak with Jonas. Mm. So Kieran is shown to Jonas's office and they catch up a bit. Jonas explains, you know, why he's there with the SGC and all the good that they can do and stuff. And then that brings up why Dr. Kieran is really there. So turns out that there is this resistance that's been brewing among those three major nations sort of underground. And there are people in every level of government and they're ready to basically strike out with the coup once the time is right. And Kieran wants Jonas to come back and join them. Basically, the people are tired of this, like the never ending wars and the government's not listening to them. So they're going to just take power back for themselves. And basically, Dr. Kieran would do anything to end this before the use of the Nequadria bomb becomes necessary because he was there for the test. And it was horrible. It was like, this is not good. Don't like that. Yeah. 
So Jonas takes this information to Hammond and the rest of SG-1, and if the Resistance does plan to do something, they're going to need to act fast if they want to prevent a war. And Dr. Kieran told Jonas that there is strong support across all three continents to end this with some sort of peaceful negotiations. If they start with Kelowna, the other nations could be forced then to get back to the negotiating table, or at the very least, it would give the others a chance to step up and cause enough of a distraction to delay any kind of attack or you know provocation of war. But they do need more intel, though. So SG-1 has been authorized to return to Kelowna and offer non-military assistance in the war. Obviously, the Kelownans won't go for that, but it would also give SG-1 an opportunity to contact this resistance and find out like what exactly they're working with, like what's actually going on. So they're gathering in the gate room and Kieran and Jonas have a brief moment before they head back. And apparently, you know, not everybody thinks Jonas is a traitor. Like what happened with the Quadria experiment opened a lot of people's eyes to start questioning what they were doing. And he promises that things will be different after this coup happens. Oh, my. So back on Kelowna, SG-1 are introduced to First Minister Vallis. So the negotiations, time to negotiate and see where everybody's standing on things. So first, Sam asks about this surplus Nequadria that they have. And after converting it to Earth units, (gasps) they finally made mention of something else. (laughs) Yay! I put a note here. I was like, Rachel will appreciate that. I know. I very much (laughs) noticed it. And I wanted him to close it out with like, all right, great. So we'll see you in an hour. (laughs) 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 Or something. (laughs) But no, I thought it's, I I do when they like putting that stuff in there because it means somebody all of a sudden is like, hey, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we've been doing this differently the whole time. Yeah. Um, Okay, so after converting it to Earth units, they have about 300 pounds, which that's a lot. So Sam offers to take a look at their storage facilities to make sure everything's, like, safe and, like, up to code. Commander Hale tries to brush this off, but Vals is like, no, that's a good idea. We know how dangerous Nequadria is. Sure, we can, like, make that happen. So in return, at any point in time, did you think that they were lying about how much they had? No, I did not. Okay, I I was suspicious that they were like, oh, we have all this stuff, shiny things. Hmm? No, you can't see it. No. <laughs> I mean, if I think if they were lying, they might say they had less so they could keep more for themselves. I think whatever number they gave the SGC was what they were willing to part with if there was any deceit on that actual number. No. Oh. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I I had questioned whether or not they had it at all, and they just wanted to get Earth to the table of giving them military stuff. Okay, well then, once the Earth find out that they lied, because we wouldn't, Earth wouldn't turn over anything without at least seeing the Nequadria first. Well, no, but so. if they're desperate, they might have gone for a desperate attempt, you know. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know, no, I never thought they were lying at all. No, no already. Okay, no. you're a better, better person than I. I'm so trusting. I'm so anyway. <laughs> so uh, okay. So in return for the Nequadria, the Colonians are asking for help in getting their like air forces up to snuff to be able to compete with what the other nations have. SG One counter offers with antibiotics, which cool, but that's not really helpful right now. No, no. Mm. 
So SG1 then meets with Dr. Karen in his lab and the negotiations are not going well. The only thing they could agree on was to adjourn for the day. <laughs> like, okay, that's, yeah, that's not good. No. Mm-hmm. So SG1 is like, okay, can we please meet the resistance now? And Dr. Karen's like, it doesn't really work like that. Like they contact me when they need a meeting and then I go to wherever they are. And his job right now is to report on what's going on at the Academy of Science. He does admit that their base is an old freight warehouse, but it is quite heavily guarded. And SG-1 wants to go there ASAP. Dr. Kieran finally agrees to at least go talk with them, like, on the behalf, like, not take SG-1. But he's like, fine, I'll go and talk to them and be like, you know, SG-1, they want to meet you. But it's it's a very sensitive operation that's going on right now. So, mm-hmm. yes, especially with impending war. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Kieran does go to meet with the resistance and they let him know that his loyalty is starting to be questioned, like to the resistance. Uh, He tells them that the delegation from Earth wants to meet them, which. How do these people know about like Earth Stargate? I was like a little kind of like how did because I thought the Stargate was still secret. Oh, I know I had. Before I became suspicious of what was happening, I had thought that maybe he had told them okay. of like, look, there's hope. We can get oh. help. Okay. Okay. I could. Okay. That could work yeah. out. Um, so the resistance then wonders if, you know, SG-1 might betray them to their government. But Kieran trusts, well, he at least trusts Jonas. So it's sort of like, I trust Jonas. And if Jonas trusts them, then we can trust them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, later that evening, First Minister Volus has called Jonas to his office with some very dramatic lighting happening. It's very lovely and like, you know, film noir and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, it's, it's, it's time to speak somewhat candidly about things that are happening. Um, they squabble a bit over if Jonas was right to do what he did. Volus insists that, you know, this war like won't be a petty skirmish like it was in the past. This will be like, utter defeat. And it's like, well, I don't know. Jonas is still like, I don't know what to do. You can see he's like, I don't, I want to help, but I don't know what I can do. Um, Valis then asks for a favor. And like, no, he doesn't want Jonas to basically like turn over SGC technology secrets and stuff. He, all he wants to do is for Jonas to keep an eye on Dr. Kieran. They've become concerned about his behavior recently and if Jonas does this, he will be allowed to return home with a full pardon. <gasps> what? Yes. Jonas then goes to see Dr. Kieran, who's like, he's tired, admits he's starting to get headaches and his mind like wanders a bit more frequently than it used to. He asks Jonas if, it's, if he should really take SG-1 to meet with the members of the resistance. He's not sure if he can trust them. And Jonas is like, well, you trust me, right? It's like, well, then there's nothing to worry about. It'll all be fine. But, okay. So this is where I started to become suspicious because Corin's performance was off yeah, slightly. Bit, yeah. So this is where I started to wonder, like, something is hinky. Mm, something's a little off, yeah. Mm-hmm. So negotiations, negotiations are continuing and still not going well. Commander Hale asks for surface to air missiles, but that's not going to happen. Like, sure, it's defensive for the most part. But then once you've used it defensively, then you'll figure out how to use it offensively. So that's a no. They're then interrupted by another member of staff coming in. 
And while the council goes to talk off screen, Jonas mentions to Jack that he hasn't seen Dr. Karen today. And when the council returns to the table, they are told that the Turanians are gathering troops at the northern border. Diplomatic negotiations are still continuing, though, so Sam suggests perhaps that the SGC could send in some of their negotiators as, like, an impartial third party to help. It's like, well, that would mean Kelowna would have to tell the other nations and their own people about the Stargate, and SG-1 all argue that perhaps that's a good thing. It might help these other nations realize that, you know, technological advancements that could be made from the Stargate could lead to peace because obviously the SGC is not going to help a nation that's at war with itself and stuff. And Jonas adds, this might be something that might finally bring everybody together. And First Minister Vallis turns it back on them and is like, surely if it were as easy all that, then the Stargate would be public knowledge on Earth. Did you find this entire scene to just be so deliciously interesting with you know SG1 having like the exact same conversation on the yes. other end that they've had with other planet to get technology from yes and like, it didn't ever dawn on them it'd be like oh wait a minute ah, until uh, the very end when they're literally calling them on their own shit and they're like oh yeah. oh yeah I know I was like when first minister Bala said that I was like Oh, so good. So yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I noticed at first when they were mentioning like any defensive weapons can be made into offensive weapons, and I was like, are you not hearing what you're saying? Because it's funny. Does the does the name Tolan mean anything to you? Yeah. Because it's funny. Yep. Um, anyway, so SG-1 then go to see Dr. Kieran, and he tells them that Dr. Thomas Lee, who's one of the scientists from Meridian, you remember that guy, was just transferred off the Nequadria project, like, in the middle of the night, and, like, just taken away, and all his stuff is gone. And the same thing happened with another scientist a couple months ago, Dr. Salas. They were all part of the resistance, and now the others have disappeared and not been seen or heard from since. And Jack's like, all right, we're done, we're out, it's time to go. The negotiations aren't going anywhere this resistance is about to be exposed. We can't be involved. We need to just go. Sorry. Bye. Uh, Dr. Kieran begs for them to stay and help. Like the coup is planned to begin in like two days, but they need help getting control of like the building that they're currently in. It's the most heavily guarded because it's the building with the Stargate in it. But SG-1 can basically come and go as they please, including coming back with a whole army to like seize control it's like no that's nope not no no, no. we're not gonna do Mm -hmm. that uh dr kieran then admits he's been smuggling the quadria out of the resistance and if sg1 help it's all theirs it's like oh crap yeah so Dr. Kieran is then walking down the street when he's suddenly grabbed by Jonas and pulled into an alley. And he tells Dr. Kieran he's been followed. And Jonas, who's acting a bit more oddly than he was before, like takes Kieran out of the way, then asks him to take to like take him to the resistance like right now. Like we need to go there now. As they start heading that way, another man spots them, starts shooting at them and like chasing them. Jonas returns fire with an intar. Did you notice his gun had the red jewel on the bottom of it i did not that's interesting yeah. yes uh, but it fires like a real gun i'll get to huh. it in a second get to it in a second okay so um so jonas and karen they get chased like up a fire escape like through a building and out like another door to this other sort of fire escape thing and they're still shooting jonas is returning fire 
there's another man there now down on the ground, like shooting up at them. Kieran dodges to avoid a bullet, like slips off the little like platform that they've stopped on, grabs like the ledge. Jonas shoots, takes the other man out, reaches for Dr. Kieran, but his grip fails and he falls to the ground. And the camera is on Dr. Kieran, then pans back up to the landing and nobody is there. What? Surprise. About the whole Jonas using an intar thing and it firing like a real gun. Uh, this was mentioned by Peter in the commentary. And there was also a comment by uh, Joe Malazzi, like on the Gate World forum somewhere. This is what, so this is what Joe had to say. He says, the weapon in question was an intar, a non-lethal weapon that, yes, were used by the cadets in proving ground. This is the weapon that Jonas carries with him off-world for the time being. When his professor imagined the, scena- the scenario in question, he had no way of knowing that the Intar was a non-lethal weapon and had no way of knowing how it fired. As a result, in his hallucination, the gun operated like a typical firearm. This was one of the clues layered into the episode to suggest that not all was as it seemed. Ooh, interesting. So, yes. Not right. a goof. A specific clue that something's wrong. Aha. Which I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was interesting and cool. I've never yes. really noticed that Jonas Quinn <laughs> <laughs> carries around an entire. Yeah, I think that would have worked better because, like, when I, I read that note before I watched the commentary. So when I watched the episode again with the commentary, I kept looking out if there were shots where you could see before that, that Jonas's sidearm that he had was an entire and you couldn't. And I think yeah. it would have helped if there had been one or two shots, like maybe as they were leaving the SGC, just like actually get a shot of Jonas from behind where you can see that red jewel on the back of the gun or yeah. something before mm-hmm. that particular encounter. I think it would have yeah. helped a little bit to make that a little clearer. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like, why is this guy hallucinating an intar or like, you know, a gun with the red jewel on it when he would have no way of having seen right. that kind of thing before. So. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So we're back in the SGC infirmary and Dr. Kieran is there unconscious. He has a broken leg, but it's the head trauma that worries Dr. Frazier. The only thing they can do right now is keep him under observation. Uh, We learned he was basically just found alone on a deserted street in Kelowna. Nobody knows how he got there, but for some reason, Jonas thought it would be best if the SGC treated him and Kelowna agreed. Which I'm like, I don't, I don't quite get that. Like, yes, plot necessary, but like, as far as like the actual reality of the situation, I, I don't, I don't quite. Of why the government government would allow that? Yeah. <sighs> Was it just to get him out of the way because there's a war and they don't want to have to worry about it? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, know. that's as good as good a guess as any. I guess, but. Again, another one of the things where, like, a little more information might be, like, what did Jonas say? Why? You know, because yeah. transporting a guy with, like, head trauma through a Stargate, is that really the best idea? Maybe they thought it would be a better sign of good faith to get Earth on their side if they were like, okay, we'll let you have our people. It means we're okay with negotiating with you. Give mm, us possibly A show of trust in a way. Yeah. Possibly. So a bit later, everybody is up in the briefing room, like trying to figure out what happened with Dr. Kieran. Was it like, did the like did the government do this before Kieran was able to like actually cause trouble with the resistance? Like, well, if they did think he was a spy, they wouldn't have let him like leave and come to the SGC. Maybe the resistance did this if they thought he was becoming a liability in some fashion. 
sell you. So what now? Do they go back to negotiating? Like, what? how do they proceed from here? Jonas pleads for them to go back and help, otherwise the Nequadria bomb will be used and nobody wants that. Jack continues to argue that there's no way they can give Kelowna what they want, so maybe they can go directly to the Resistance, but they have no idea where they are. And Sam's like, well... If Kieran did actually smuggle the Quadria to the Resistance, then she can track it. Yay! Okay. So we cut to Sam, Jack, and Tilk back on Kelowna on the street where Dr. Kieran was found. She fires up her scanner thing and starts tracking where the Nequadria is. Where could it be? In an empty warehouse somewhere, usually, because that's always where things are, right? Yep, of course. Yeah. <laughs> back at the SGC, Jonas is, is sitting by... <clears throat> Excuse me. Back at the SGC, Jonas is sitting by Dr. Kieran's bedside when he wakes up. He starts begging Jonas to, like, stop this and, like, apologizing for what happened. You know, there were only scientists pursuing knowledge, and Jonas just tries to, like, keep him calm, tell him, like, everything will be fine because they'll be in with, they'll be in contact with the resistance soon. Hammond then walks in, and Fraser has some possibly disturbing news. Dr. Kieran's PET scan shows signs of advanced schizophrenia. Something that is very rare for somebody over 35, so that means he's probably been suffering with this condition for over 20 years. Symptoms would include paranoia, delusions, possibly even full-blown hallucinations. We go back to Dr. Kieran, who's telling Jonas how like completely destructive the test of the Nequadria bomb was. And through like the observation window, we see Kieran talking to Jonas, but the camera then pans over to the monitor of the security camera that's in that infirmary room and Jonas isn't there. I thought that was a really cool reveal. Yes, it's I mean, very good. I enjoyed like, it. Yes. We knew it was coming, but it was a really neat way to do it. Yes, because you didn't see Jonas on Kelowna, so Jonas could still be at the SGC. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's entirely possible Jonas is actually there, but nope, nope, he's not. No. McCorn was also doing a really good performance of being slightly off, too. He was yes. doing that really well. Yes, yes. So back on Kelowna, the council is discussing, like, the coming war and where to place their troops when Jonas enters and is like, we need to talk. So Sam leads the others to a very obviously abandoned building, and Jack is like, this place, and she's like, this is the place. So they head inside. Everything's covered in, like, dust and cobwebs. It's quite obviously nobody's been there for quite a long time, but they do find a bunch of crates that are full of cases of Nequadria. So he wasn't lying about that, at least. So, yay. I it mean, kind of made you, like, uh, I didn't, it was a very mixed emotion when they found it, where it was like, oh, yeah. well. Yeah. Well. Oh. Yeah. So back with the council, basically, it, it's come to it. They're going to have to use the Nequadria bomb. Jonas tries to convince them not to because of the Gould, which they're all like, the Gould haven't been here for a thousand years. Why? Why would they come back now? And Jonas is like, if you keep using it, the Nequadria, they'll come, they'll like find out, they'll come back because the like Nequadria Naquada is the basis for all of their technology and stuff. And they'll come back for it if you keep using it. Which I thought was such a good point that I never really thought about before, where they were like, if you keep messing with it, they're going to come back for it. Like, oh, yes, yes they will. Yes. <laughs> Peter mentioned he was hoping like this speech by Jonas could then lead to a third episode with the Gould coming to Kelowna, but that story just like it never materialized. Never really, yeah. yeah. 
So Jack then comes into the meeting room and Joan and tells Jones is like, we're going home. Uh, there's no resistance. It was all a mass delusion by Dr. Kieran that was brought on by the Nequadria. Like this is like from Dr. Fraser. So they've apparently called home or gone home and come back something uh, and gotten the schizophrenia information from Dr. Fraser at this point. And it's like, what about the other scientists? And Jones is like, what happened to all the other scientists? And uh, First Minister Vilas does finally admit that the others were actually taken to a mental facility. They suspected what was happening, but didn't know for sure. And that's why they wanted Jonas to keep an eye on Dr. Kieran, because the Nequadria research was too important to just like stop and tip off like what was happening with these scientists and the fact that they were like going crazy. So that the other scientists would keep working on it. It's like, oh, the morals of government officials, isn't it? Yes. So delicious. I have to say, too, I am having a touch of the same interplanetary how do you know what an hour is when it also comes to medical ailments and diseases <laughs> so if you just say oh he's schizophrenic I want somebody to finally be like what does that what, mean what yeah what is that what yes <laughs> yes no but, yeah but yeah just yeah. when Jack was said to Jonas Quinn uh, when he said he's, <laughs> he's schizophrenic and you know he reacted to that like he knew what that was I was like how do you have the same medical ailments? Do you? Well, Jonas probably knows because he's probably read every medical dictionary that's on base. So Jonas I mean, knowing makes true. sense. But the others, you know, knowing. Okay, that's true. Little, yeah. Because a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of medical advancements and scientific advancements are named after Earth people. So yes. what do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well. So anyway. back at the <laughs> so back at the SGC, basically this schizophrenia is a form of brain damage that was caused by prolonged exposure to the Nequadria radiation. The clonants never really had proper shielding in place. Uh, Dr. Fraser assures everybody like Jonas is fine. Fraser did test him, but like he's all good. Any testing that the SGC does should be fine because they do actually have like proper shielding in place, but they are double checking. Sam did also reach back out to see if the Clonins want help getting their shields up to spec, but they haven't replied. And in fact, we learned they have been basically completely incommunicado since everybody came back to Earth. Uh, as far as Dr. Kieran goes, they can manage his condition with medication, but they can't undo the damage that's already been done. Nah, Jonas, yeah. Jonas then goes to see Dr. Kieran in the infirmary and like the camera starts on the security feed and we see Jonas enter. So... It really so Jonas really is there and the yes. like, counterpoint to the previous scene. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Kieran is going to be moved to another facility that's better able to manage his condition. Once the nurse sets in there leaves, Dr. Kieran leans in conspiratorially and tells Jonas that the resistance is ready to go with the coup. They've been like keeping in touch with him. And Kieran looks up to the observation room where the resistance leader is standing and they like nod at each other. She and did that quote, by the way. I did, yes. Resistance leader. Yeah, that was in quotes. Okay. He continues that basically the resistance is going to dismantle the bomb, shut down the whole Nequadria project, and Jonas just tells him that that's such a good thing and that Dr. Kieran has saved the world. The oh. end. That was such a nice thing to add. Like, you saved the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, why sort of bust the bubble at this point, really? It wouldn't yeah. do any good, you know? So, yeah. Just go along with it. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I wonder what his uh, hallucinations would manifest as later then if he saved the world. He doesn't need to see the resistance people anymore. Yeah. You don't know. That would be interesting mm-hmm. to find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the title Shadow Play, basically it just refers to like shadow puppets, which I think might be a reference to like the resistance that's like operating in shadow. But again, it's not real. So like the resistance itself is a shadow. Maybe. Yeah, I think that was I think that was a multi-layered yeah things aren't real things aren't as they seem yes yeah kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, we have a couple of fun foreign territory titles uh in french this was called resistance in <laughs> resistance resistance uh in german it was called a superior enemy oh okay but the spanish get the fun one it's called Oops. imaginary operation <laughs> Way to give it away, Spain. Yay. What was it in German? Was it the same? A superior enemy. Oh, okay. That was German, yeah. Oh, that was German. Okay, sorry, I missed that. I missed where that was from. Okay. Yeah. So the German one was fine. The Spanish one was a little like, ah, maybe giving away things a little bit with the title. (laughs) It would have been okay if it had a question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Imaginary operation? Uh, before we wrap up, we have a comment on the Discord. Yay! Um, this is going back to season one. What? Uh, Somebody catching Mearden. up on this now? Yeah. Uh, listener Mirden's catching up on some old episodes. So this is going all the way back to First Commandment. Do you remember that one? Nope. Surprise. <laughs> That's <laughs> the one where Sam's, like, ex-fiance who was in the SGC went a little crazy oh. and made himself, like, king of this planet basically yes, yeah. yes 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 and this is when we like we were still working through like procedures of how like the SGC should operate <laughs> and stuff um yeah uh so they say catching up on some of the earlier podcast episodes with the first commandment perhaps the reason that they didn't radio for backup through the gate was because it might have alerted SG9 that they were there slash what they were doing question mark Although they seem to find out fairly quickly somehow that SG-1 had arrived anyway. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a good point, I guess, because SG-9 would be tuned in to the SGC frequencies. I'm sure at least one of their radios would be. So. Maybe. Yeah. All right, we'll give you that one. I can see that. All right, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. So final thoughts on Shadowplay. I liked it. Okay. I thought it was very good. I, I too, had kind of been wanting to see a follow-up for Jonas Quinn mm-hmm. on on what his relations with his home planet would be. And I think this was a really interesting way to do that. And um, I, we talk about it over and over again with the episodes of Earth trying to negotiate for technology that... Um, that every single time they come across somebody who's more technologically advanced, they're like, oh, no, I'm sorry, your children, you can't handle that. And then every time we encounter somebody that's less technologically advanced than Earth, it's always somebody that's like, you know, cavemen compared to Earth. So, of course, yeah. it's going to be like, no, no, I can't keep that stick. You're going to poke yourself in the eye. Like, <laughs> But on this, you know, it was 
sure Earth is more technologically advanced, but not that far away. So yeah. it was a very interesting time to finally have the conversations where the where the table is flipped and they can be yeah. like, oh, well. Uh, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like this one because I don't know if this was in the back of like the writer's minds at all, but to me it kind of seems like at this point, I don't think we knew how long Jonas Quinn was going to be sticking around. And it's a way to start setting up his backstory, kind of like what happened with Tilkin season one, where we started getting some stories like back on Shulak, like what's actually going on back there with Tilk's people and stuff. We're now getting the story of like what's going on with Jonas's people. So if he does stick around for a while, we can go back there and do more stuff with that, um, which I don't mind. This is, again, I don't know. For a lot of the season six episodes, they're like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> is that what you're going to say about the whole season? Eh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Best episode ever in the history of television ever. And the rest is fine. And the rest is fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, very big contrast in this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's why I'm on it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. You can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And now on Discord, please check the link in the show notes, or you can send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for The Other Guys. Bye. Bye.